Hey, welcome back, Kansas City Underground. Man, I have missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. It's been a week, man. It's it's you know it's been like four weeks since we've recorded. We're both like a little under the weather, so we have this like very white voice. Yeah. I was walking around the house this morning singing in these like deep bass. Notes. Can you um give us a little preview? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking about it. He was about to lean in. I, well, uh, I, I was because I was singing Pearl Jam. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, which is like, you know, Eddie Vedder has that real low. Oh, yeah. like, I don't mind stealing bread. <laughs> you that's, that like, that's like that's, pre-Pearl Jam. It that's is. before Pearl Jam. That's a great song. It is. Temple of the Dog. Yeah. Wow. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunger Strike is the name of the song. Man, what a, what a start to this podcast. Did you know that Temple of the Dog was a super band that was... Um, that was Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and one big massive band. I feel you have told me this before. I feel like it was maybe during a podcast, but that would be no. Maybe there's some memories mixing. But that's <laughs> that's a uh, man. I, you feel like that's why people are here. Yeah, to it listen is. to this kind of wisdom and banter at the yeah. beginning because I sure think so. Well, here's the deal. Um, we had all of these intentions to record about um, uh, begin with a broken, poor, and marginalized. And we had like a long list of people and we still might come back to those. But what had happened was <laughs> the schedule over the last month between us like traveling, but mostly our families getting like weird illnesses that mm-hmm. held us back from recording. So we got two with the broken, poor and marginalized. We took last week just to have a moment to say, um, you know, inviting you into giving to the Kansas City Underground and the work that we're doing in the city. And we just want to say thank you for that, for those that took the time and, and believe in the work that we're doing and supported us in that way. Thank you. It's, yeah, it means that yeah, it's so important. Um, so this week we said, hey, let's just go ahead and move on to the next one. <laughs> I thought we were going back. We're not going back and interviewing more people. Yeah, we are, but remember, we're out of order. Oh, yeah. So, so it's just it's just saying, hey, by the way, we're out of order. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think people care. No, they probably don't. Uh, mm. We wish we could have done more, though, on, like, the broken, poor, and marginalized. Yeah, I do have a list of a lot of people. Um, and, yeah, it'd be, it, it's it's also one that we've talked maybe more about than some. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We've talked a lot a lot about this stuff on a lot of these, these main observations that are here in this report. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, like, I, th- I think it's important for us to to – recognize you know that a lot of people are in lots of different contexts and we're seeing fruit in a lot of different places and I think for a lot of us who are getting started leaning into that you know those like hard places early on gets that the 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 momentum rolling but I I honestly think a lot of what is compelling um I'm not just in Kansas City but a lot of places where we're starting to see momentum is sometimes people are like oh but this is working in like suburban america or whatever like th- those type of like uh observations so both of those we want to like validate both of those so much as we talk about um urban movements is yeah we're starting in those hard places um but man like the place that god maybe god's you know as he's calling you to your people and your people's you know it's that weird like middle class group of people or something and it's like man it's, in some ways it's even more compelling to see fruit in those places you know so it is uh yeah we will go back and talk more about it though. Absolutely. And I wanted to give you a little encouragement that I got in a text form this week Ooh. of, hey, thanks for doing a, a focused podcast series on urban movements. 
So this is a friend of ours. Hey, you're welcome. In New York. Oh, uh, who was like, yeah, this is like literally my reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so cool. I know everybody is not listening from a dense urban population like that, but uh, anyway, just want to pass that on. You yeah. might, you didn't see that encouragement, and I did. I didn't. I feel encouraged now, though. Good. All along, right. Along with all of our listeners, <laughs> we're moving on to number four. So this is again 248.org, and you can download this resource about 15 key observations in urban disciple-making movements that we think transcend more than just urban context. However, that's the title of it, so we're trying to stick with it. And number four is this. Urban disciple-makers should seek to invest heavily, intentionally, and long-term into those that they disciple. Urban disciple-makers should seek to invest heavily, intentionally, and long-term into those that they disciple. Now, again, on this one, they're offering like the, if you download that from 248.org and you look into the, uh, the document there, you'll see it says potential strategy. Uh, and I, I love that they frame, uh, it was like, I was trying to say phrase and frame, and it came out frame. <laughs> so. I, I'm used to like the, the Southern accent where you like make a lot of two-syllable words, four-syllables, so it makes sense. And take way too long to say a word. <laughs> So um, I love that they frame this up this way, that these are potential strategies. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say, yes, this is the strategy across the board. Sometimes in, in disciple-making movements, I think they get characterized as like, mm-hmm. we're moving really fast, yeah. somebody meets Jesus, and we move on. Mm-hmm. And, and then we sort of have this critique against that to say, hey, let's not, um, let's not equate disciple-making and conversion. Yeah. Because disciple-making... That's right. We're talking about the maturation of a, of a spiritual life of a person, and that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And Jesus spent three and a half years with these 12 that come with him. Mm-hmm. And, and even Paul, right, like sometimes it looks like he only spends two or three months, but he's got this like long-term strategy of letter writing, yeah. sending back disciple makers, connecting with elders. Uh, at Ephesus, he stays for two, two years, three I mean, years? There, I mean, the... The range of time that he stays is, you know, from a few what weeks to a few years. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, there's definitely. I, I think we're so sped up in our own brain of how one how we operate in America, but just even just reading the Bible from, it's like, hey, I can turn from this page to this page, and it, look, it appears fast. But there, there's just things things take time that you got to bake. Relationships take time, and yeah, within movements, I think that's a great point that you're making. Is um, we hear about these viral movements of the gospel. And it seems like it's fast. And it seems like, boom, I meet a person of peace. Boom, he gathers his people. Boom, he has the maturity of the Apostle Paul all within a few weeks. And it's just like anyone who has done any of this ever, you know, any kind of ministry, any kind of investing in people's lives know that that just ain't how it works. Well, I think back to, you know, this uh, video. Maybe you've seen the latest little video we've made with Underground Stories, right? Um, I have. It's really good. Yeah, I thought so as well. You and, put a lot and of work into it. It's really good. In this video, Tim Garrett I ends say it. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. It was a joy to produce. Uh, at at the end of that video, Tim says, "I've seen movements in Africa," mm-hmm. and he says, "I was there recently, and I met this man named Muhammad." And Muhammad introduces himself. Do you remember the words that he used? Yeah, he goes. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I make other disciples of Jesus, which I think Tim's told that story on this podcast. Yeah, so he says back to him, how long have you been doing this? Six months. Six months. Yeah. So that feels fast. Yeah. I think that what it, um, 
like that's that's a reality yeah. in that context that it's happening. There's an immediate acceptance of I should be doing this. Mm. What I think is left out in the broader context is I'm a disciple of I'm still being disciple. Exactly. exactly. I haven't reached some level of maturity that I don't need these relationships, but also it's not just an immediate I pass it on and I'm gone. Yeah. Like that's like, ex- that's exactly that, I I think you're you're voicing the, the, I don't know, is it, is it the tension's the right word, or the confusion. Um, and I look at the, the ways of Jesus, right? So you mentioned this a lot. And I think that you you bring up so much, like you, it's almost like the North Star of this conversation. It's like, let's remember, Jesus hung out with these guys for three years, right? And that's so stinking important. The other part of that conversation is, remember, even when he first called them, it's like, hey, you're gonna come, you're gonna, you're gonna come follow me, and you're gonna be immediately a part of this mission. Come follow me, and you make fishers of men. And there, there is a release. There is an immediacy and a release within totally that commitment where they're actually called to be in the game from day one. And not only are they in the game, they're actually they're they're doing it. They're actually yeah. participating. They are released. Jesus will send them out, and they'll come back, and they'll talk about it, right? And they'll be like, hey, even the even the demons submitted to us yeah. and be like, Hey, don't rejoice over that. Or be like, you know, all these things where it's just like this constant training yeah. and teaching. And I think that is what is happening with uh Muhammad. Yeah. That's what's happening with, I think with, with two, four, eight is saying high, high commitment relationships is not that you release fully. It's that you release appropriately, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, Ooh. they're allowed to go and immediately be a part of it. But that doesn't mean that we're like uh, accepting that there's, you know, full perfection and, you know, sanctification that's happened in their lives is a journey and we're continuing to invest in their lives. Well, let's hit, let's hit real quick, just why this appears to be fruitful in city practices. Um, this, this feels like cheating with this podcast, by the way, we're basically just reading their document and making a podcast. Guys, I mean, this really, we're giving color commentary though. We're like the guy that is like the football announcer. One of them's like, this is what happened in this play. And the other guy's like, they scored more points. It's awesome. (laughs) Well, you need to watch more football. Is that what it is with Alabama games? Oh yeah. We do score more points. Actually, usually that is. What I meant was there's always a guy like in the booth that didn't actually play the sport. (laughs) Wait a second. That's not a good metaphor for us either. <laughs> oh, All that be said, this is a great report. It is. Um, it and, is. And 248. Uh, what is actually the website? that? 248.org. There you go. I said it multiple times already. So here's number one. We'll, we'll get some color commentary on this from you, Corey. Okay. The Jesus definition of disciple making must include an expectation of high investment and high intentionality over time. Mm-hmm. All other forms of disciple making are inconsistent or incomplete. Strictly scheduled. Once a week disciple making, though a good start, appears to be an insufficient form of disciple making for urban dwellers. Mm. Long term fruitfulness may require a larger level of availability and life exposure. Yeah. What's your take? Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, is it is it fair to compare that to maybe other ways that we define quote unquote discipleship? Yeah, I think that's what they're saying with this one. Is like yeah. it has to be in the everyday stuff of life. Yeah. This is the language we use all the time. It's like it can't just be a Tuesday morning at nine. I never see you again. Other than that, come ready to talk. Yep, absolutely. Because I can't see your life. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that you're putting this stuff into practice. That you're actually living out what you're telling me to go do. Yeah. Like we need that rubbing shoulders kind of thing, where it's like, oh, I watched how you dealt with that situation. 
Mm-hmm. You told me about it. I saw it. Now I know how, like the integration of those things. Yeah, I, I also think so much of the the MAL acronym a M A W L. We model, we assist, we watch, and then we leave or we launch. Um, I think we if we we can speed up that process and just launch. <laughs> I think that the, the point of this conversation is like now there's there's modeling, there's dwelling, and I think and we've talked about this so many times over the years, like on this podcast. But like discipleship can't be, we meet just once a week and we either, we read a book or we just talk about content. It's, it is a life. There is a, there's a training that comes in the, the mess of the daily reality when it comes to releasing disciple makers. Um, I do think that probably we in America who've been running after movements, we get caught up we, we miss this a lot because we want to launch so fast. We want to multiply so fast that if you if you don't invest in the right ones for a long time, uh, then you're going to get either shallow disciple making uh, or you're going to get m- maybe quick groups that start, micro churches or discovery groups or whatever that start, but that fail pretty quickly, right? Because they're shallow. And I, I always go back to, is it is Seth Bouchel and the way that he he talks about multiplication, the way that he talks about disciple making is it's like, I mean, we can multiply garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like we can multiply things fast. We can multiply disciples, quote unquote, fast. We can get and hang out for a few days or weeks or whatever and send people off on their own. We're just going to, you know, multiply garbage. But what if what does it look like to multiply things that are worth multiplying and that takes investment that takes time and also i don't know if this is the right time to talk about this it also sometimes you invest in the wrong people Mm. for too long or and that's happened to me many many times and that doesn't necessarily mean their character is wrong it's just like either they don't want to go and do what we're hoping you know like to actually go multiply themselves or maybe it's just yeah there maybe there are some character issues or other things that are not submitting to jesus and that that tends, I've definitely been in that world a bunch as well. And I think that's just part of it. You know, it's like we listen to Jesus, we join where he's at, we invest high commitment. But the reality is sometimes it's not going to yield the fruit that we want. Mm. And that can be discouraging. That doesn't mean we stop. But I'm just kind of rambling a, a handful of things that, that come with the reality of when we invest in the one person, not even one person, we invest into people. There is an ex- expectation that they are going and they're doing something with this. At the same time, like we're investing into people who are people, you know, and they're not projects and we actually need to love them and walk with them for a season and understand that it's just, they're not just robots, you know? So that's all of that makes this, this conversation, uh, multi-layered, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You're just looking up some scripture. So well, you know, sometimes it's like we have our plan of how we're going to go through a podcast and then sometimes it we hear stuff that we're saying it's like oh yeah your your language about that long-term investment it was bringing to mind the parable of the seeds mm. and the way jesus talks about some are scattered along the road mm-hmm. some are fall on rocky ground so they have these like shallow roots um and it was i don't fully know where to go with that but that language that you shared of like when you invest and you're moving too quickly you're not thinking long term you know i hope when people create the roots to be fully grounded in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and like you have to be there with them long enough to see those roots take hold. Mm-hmm. And 
it's you know i i think it's sometimes like i'm i'm just going to do some rambling too yeah. then cuz like when you like when you think about long term investment and the quote unquote not the right people that are going through that yeah. there's also this long term investment sometimes you don't see it soon enough or sometimes you're not there when right. the hard things really hit to help them like stay grounded like yeah. the storms coming through and it's like i'm going to hold you through this you know yeah. um i won't give too many details but like i met with a young leader yesterday and it it was like this feeling it was actually a lot of the feelings that I had been feeling of, you know, a sense of is God still speaking to me? Is there something I'm missing? And it was like, you know, the communication of I don't I don't have enough community around me that I do this with and I need more consistency. And it's mm -hmm. like, you absolutely do need that. Yeah. That is you know and this young leader was sharing about hearing from God in the moment, uh, that that very day, you know, and I was like yeah. You realize you just told me that God is still speaking to you, right? Mm -hmm. like, you know, and you know, it's like, yeah, I, I guess I am hearing that, but I'm not in a space where I get to talk about that with somebody enough to be able to celebrate it, yeah. and I'm not um, surrounded by people that are also saying God is speaking to them, and I'm encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. And even though I might not be hearing it, He's still doing that work, and I need that space. And it's just like it was a moment for me to remember, you know, we we hammer mission so much. But if mission is disciple making, it it's it's deeply involved in community. Yeah. And the reality of like I I need you in my space for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I need you calling stuff out and I need you encouraging me. Yeah. I need to see your story and be inspired by it. Um and I need to sit with you when we both sort of feel dry sometimes. Yeah, and that's really good. It's also I, I even catch myself because for all you shepherds out there and you hear some apostolic you know, weird dude on a podcast say investing into the wrong people. Like as a shepherd, you're like, what? The? Like that just hits you. It, the cringeness yeah. of, of like, what do you mean the wrong people? Like did Jesus only invest in, you know, the disciples? Did he not only, did he meet with other people? But the reality is he did spend more time with those who are going to replicate in a sense the ministry that he'd been walking with right so there is that sense in the other sense it's like sometimes god just calls us to love and be with people mm. you know because they're people yeah. um and they need it so like yeah I'd, I'd, i i i also want to catch myself but on a strategic level like i do have limited time and resources and I'm looking for those people that God is is raising up in some capacity. Either that's someone who's from, quote unquote, the harvest, or if that's some, you know, another person that God's brought in our path. We're looking for people who are going to invest in people who don't know Jesus, that are going to go and replicate some of the things that we're talking about. But man, that actually, and that takes investment. Hmm. That takes time. That takes, we're going to sit, we're going to rub shoulders with, we're going to be together, we're going to schedule time together, you're going to come to our house and have dinner together. There is a investing in life, and there is a reality that this may not pan out, you know, in some way. Like, it, it may not pan out, but I think this is the person that God is calling me to invest in for a while, and so I think that's what this looks like for me in this season. Yeah, so let me let me read the second thing because I think it yep. it connects to a little bit of what we're saying. Cities are can be fast paced, impersonal, which can lead to a lack of meaningful yep. relationships and a sense of isolation. 
So high cost intentional disciple making can help create a sense of community and belonging for themselves and those they disciple, which mm-hmm. was like essentially the conversation with this mm-hmm. younger leader. Mm-hmm. Um, city dwellers experience cognitive dissonance in this regard. They're surrounded by people, noise, information overload, but often experience loneliness, isolation, and yes. confusion. Yes. So again, like what we're saying with this one is you need to think through investing heavily intentionally and long-term into those that you disciple. We got that. We've talked from some different angles about Mm -hmm. this. We always want this podcast to be helpful. And this question just sort of came to mind. How do I know which is which? How do I know? Like I've had two or three conversations in the last two or three days where it was two different leaders both of them are communicating some pretty deep loneliness, fear. Yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, spent an hour just sharing my own journey, empathizing, stepping in and encouraging, trying to reflect back, ask better questions. And with both of these leaders, I offered my time. And I was like, balls in your court, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to hang, let's hang. And in the moment while I'm saying that, I was uh, I was challenged because I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> do I have time to do this? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, do I have just totally is, lie? <laughs> is there space? Yeah. And I, you know, I had a little fear in that because I don't want to promise like, yeah, I'll give you, totally. I'll give you two or three hours every week, and like we're gonna journey together and walk through this. Um, but I also want to like I had that desire inside mm-hmm. to go like. How can I reorient my life around these people for a season? Mm-hmm. Should I? Yep. Or should I look at training environments where it's like, you know what? I, my disciple making is going to be like 18 people in a room. I'm going to teach them some paradigms and principles, help them walk through some tools mm-hmm. and like send them like missionary mm-hmm. pathway stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's seven weeks. You got some disciple making, go do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of those are, are good. Like we're training a lot of people at one time on like how to go and engage in a context. The other I'm giving my life to, you know, right. I don't know. I'm just throwing a question out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, here's, here's my really wise answer. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I think it really depends. Right. Like I think there are seasons. I, I mean, I, last year there was, I would actually even tell people, Hey, this is, a, this is a season of ministry. I think semesters because I still, for whatever reason, made my whole life. I'll just think like a youth pastor, but I like I think of semesters. Oh, although you're just still a child, that too. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just can't wait till summer break. And no, and I and so I you could take another sabbatical. <laughs> things, oh, dude, doesn't that sound so nice right now? It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks, and I uh, as a season of which a semester in which I'm saying, hey, I'm investing into leaders. So I was like. And, and in some ways I'm doing that all the time, but it was kind of a, these are a handful of five or six leaders that are potentially high capacity, time, effectiveness. And I'm just one-on-one or group. I mean, that was most of my days. I felt like there was a lot of that time. So I don't know. There's, there's other days where I feel like, man, we got to train the trainers. We got to lead the leaders. We got a missionary pathway was like, man, we got to put something in the hands of people that anyone can do this. And then they can spend their time and do that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, but that's some, some of my thoughts, I think there's just, there's seasons. What we can't do is just microwave things and right, expect yeah. them to just work. Yeah. Even, even missionary pathway sent a bunch of people through that. 
I don't know that that's disciple making. Maybe I'm getting disciple making and training confused too. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the investing one on one to yeah. replicate. So in that sense, yeah. Well, when we think about ordinary leaders, like the answer or part of the answer is discerning. Well, what's your context and who are the people leaning in? Yeah. You know, like I, I just who are the people that are interested? And if that if that green light is there and the invitation in to come follow me as I follow Christ is like cool, I'll do that. Well, you need to orient your life around that person. Yeah, that's right. You you need to move toward them if they're moving towards you, and together move toward Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like an you know that's just a sort of a high level base filter of who do I give my life to, who do I give my time to, yeah. because the danger is, you know, I don't, I don't extroverted people. Um, higher capacity in a relationship type people are like, well, I'll, I'll give my time to all these people. Mm-hmm. And then there's burnout, there's fatigue, there's whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. Like Jesus was very intentional to not give it to the se- that, the same amount of time to the yeah. 72 in the crowds. Yeah. Uh, so we're bringing in some of our language now even of understanding, like, what's your relational capacity? What are the spheres of influence you have? Uh, these are all just really practical things you have to think through as you're going, if I'm, like, this is the flip side. If you're going to seek to invest heavily in the right people, that requires something of you. Mm. You have to invest heavily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to take time. You have to take energy. And you have to say no to some things to say yes to that. Yeah, that's so good. I'm like, I'm, I'm allowing the Lord to speak to me now as like I'm just thinking through the various places in, of ministry that I'm, I'm looking at. Um, I also want to voice a little bit of maybe it's the elephant in the room here. Um, we we are now, especially younger generations, but everyone, post-COVID even more so, hungering for real relationships. Mm. Um, find ourselves with little time to actually do them, but so desperate for them. And that in the Christian world, uh, we can create programs or small groups or whatever and try to help catalyze relationships. And because that really speaks to the hunger of people and they want that, right? They want belonging. And then you look at where we have sat for so many years and it's like, but if that's all we do, people never actually go and make disciples. So how do we create spaces, environments, relationships that are high investment, that create community, that people are in this together, but that is not the end game, right? Like, like you know, that thing that we've always said and quoted, I don't know, it was Mike Breen or Alan Hirsch or everyone. It's like, if you if you aim for community, you probably won't get mission, but if you aim for mission, you'll get community. Like that is still very, very, very true. I think what we have, at least in our underground world, is that we have a basic posture towards disciple making and mission. We're always going to go. We're always going to go. Um, so that, but we have these, we have to emphasize deep relationships and community so that people can go in these other settings, right? So creating coaching structures and, uh, three to five groups and, you know, like spaces where people can really invest and be known so that they, they can go out and really invest in ministry. I'm just going to say the tension of that is in most church paradigms is we just don't do it well, right? We don't even have, we don't know how to go make disciples. So generally we just hope that we get there. So we create good community and then pretty soon people are coming for just community and it's either amazing or it's artificial mm. because we're trying to create it and we just, we don't know what to do with it. So we're going to invest in those that like, yeah, we need to help create safe spaces that people are known, 
right? They're, there's mentoring, there's stuff like that. But we've got to have a posture of we're going, going, going on mission as well. So we just want to voice that tension because it's hard and it's easy to fall on one end of end of that kind of conversation. I know you're not looking at the document like I am, but you're using all their language. Like we all want to be meaningfully known and to know others mm. and it's using the language of mentors too. So yeah. let's do this. We're going to uh, give you some questions to ponder. Like I said, we want the podcast to be helpful. So these are questions for discussion, team reflection. If you happen to be working with some other people that you want to have conversations about. So this is like the practical stuff to think through your own life, how you're already doing it, but how others have done this for you. So reflect on some of the primary ways that mentors, leaders, or disciples have invested in your disciple-making mm. journey. I love this question, too. What would you like to imitate? Mm. Um, this is actually a really good question that I know is from Mike Breen. Uh, is is your life worth imitating? Mm-hmm. Like That's really the question before you begin to think through how heavily are you going to invest in another, is to ask the question, is my life worth imitating? Yeah. And if it's not, then the question is, what do I need to adjust for that? Like, if you're working 90 hours a week, that's not a life worth imitating. Mm. That's just, you're drained, you're tired. No one has, you don't have many hours left to give to anyone. So you got to go, how can I cut back? Mm. How can I rest well? Because part of disciple making, right, is like to teach people to Sabbath well. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have good Sabbath rhythms, you shouldn't be telling other people to have them. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to imitate? You have to start doing that yeah. and then help others imitate you. Um, and that was the follow-up. What would you choose to do differently? Uh, question two, how might high-cost, high-commitment, disciple-making relationships? How might high-cost? I don't Look in your context. Oh, okay. I see. That's a very confusing question. I don't think I would have began with how. Yeah. Um, what practical ways can you and your team more intentionally invest in your disciple making relationships? So this really that's that's a bigger team question for those that might be outside of their city. Corey, what would you say to that? What practical ways do our does our team uh, or what what are things that we do to more intentionally invest in your disciple making relationships? Oh, wow. <laughs> <I knew. laughs> you just totally put me on the spot. I did. Well, I, 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 I was we thinking celebrate of, it. I mean, I honestly, I think that when we, we come together and talk about, you know, here's, here's people that we feel like, you know, like, like literally every time we have a new missionary mm-hmm. on board, we play music and celebrate together our new microchurches and that's just our hub. Um, but we do, we celebrate, um, Hey, there's a story of this person leaning in and we think God is raising this person up. So I don't know, that's part. that's the easiest answer that comes to my mind. Yeah, I was thinking of relational rhythms too. Like we're intentionally calling out how do how can we be with people and yeah. and not just shout at them from a distance of stuff they need to be doing in their context, but like you know, this is one I think our coaching circles are amazing yeah. disciple making places where like I've I know people that are are leading microchurches. They have their own extended spiritual family where they're going, these are people in my context. They leaned in. I'm disciple making with them. But they're showing up to a coaching group, and they see that almost like another little microchurch. So oh, yeah. I can't wait to get back to my coaching circle because I want to hear the stories of what's happening. And there, there, it is these they're like parallel mm-hmm. spiritual families. Yeah. We're doing that and share the hope right now as we're launching. It's like we've got all of our microchurch gatherings, all these things, and we have like this basically undercurrent of these like three to five spaces that kind of start as DBSs, kind of move into more ongoing. I mean, just 
we just found we have to have those places of deeper belonging that I am known. Um, and I, it's after a while, you can't, you can't minister out of right yeah, without that, you yeah. know, and that is such a hunger in our community. And I mean, in our country, <laughs> in our society that we have to think more strategically and creatively about spaces where people can be known, mm. but they're not just stuck in those spaces forever. It is a tension. Last question. It's not in their document, but one I just want to toss out there for you to consider as you you walk away from this and you ponder, what does it mean to heavily invest intentionally long-term into those that you disciple? Do you know their names? Who is it? You know, so like one of the tools we use to help people begin the process of incarnation into a context is... Um, the the relational map, you know, just writing your neighbor's names down or the context map, thinking of the different contexts in which you exist. Um, You can't invest in people if you don't know their names Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless you've made an invitation to invest your life in them. And I don't think it always looks just like, hey, will you follow me and let me disciple you? Like, I don't know that I've ever used words like, yeah. Yeah. But there's a way to invite people into those spaces and begin to invest in them and communicate it clearly. Mm. Uh, But you have to know who they are. So I just, my encouragement is when you're done with this episode, just to take five, 10 minutes, 15, whatever the spirit leads you in, and just say, who are those people? Write their names down and begin praying how can I give more of my life and my time to these six people, these eight people, these two people? Mm, I got one too that goes with that. Say you, you know, speaking to those of us in Kansas City who are maybe in a microchurch, um, and we've seen things emerge, and you're, who are those people who, um, I hate, I don't even know how to word this right, <laughs> because worth is not the right answer. Who is it that you should be investing more one-on-one time? Who is it that you should be spending more time with, either for their own personal journey or for them to see multiplication, right? Who are the people that they're calling them? So same question that Brian's asking, but even think in your own spiritual families, your own microchurches, those communities, who who within those areas is God maybe raising up to multiply or for you to invest in? Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.